Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer. I'm excited to share 10 zone offense tips. There are many teams playing zone defense right now, which means your zone offense is vital. I think part of it's pandemic, or a lot of it is probably pandemic related. I know some coaches that are more man usually, they're playing zones. They feel like it's going to be more of an advantage because other teams don't have the full offseason they've had to work with as far as skill development. Coaches have had less time in the gym to prepare their players. Some schools, some states are required to wear a mask, so breathing can be an issue. So they're more likely to say, okay, we're going to play zone instead of chasing players around the court. There's a lot of different reasons why I'm seeing more zone. And people ask me, what do you do during the, the winter time, Steve? Because you know, you're traveling, running camps during the summer, clinics and whatnot in the fall and spring. But what do you do in the winter time? Well, this is a lot of what I do in the winter is I help high school coaches. I do youth basketball, maybe run some clinics, do some training. And then I work with high school basketball coaches, whether it's watching film for them, phone calls, texts, emails, and some of the things that I picked up are more teams are playing zone. So as we get into this episode, 10 zone offense tips, some are pretty specific. So you might wanna get your notepad out. Some are a little more general. These tips can be applied to any type of zone defense, especially the two, three zone, I would add, all right? If you find this episode beneficial, be sure to share it out with someone who you also may like it. And if you're interested in our zone offense course, specifically focused on 131 zone offense, make sure to hit the description in the link below and you can access that as well. Last thing, our summer basketball schedule is coming out. We have about five weeks already booked. And if you're interested in bringing a basketball camp to you and your program, you can contact me, contact at KramerBasketball.com. Thanks again. Let's get to the show. Okay, let's dig into it. I'm excited. There's so many teams that play zone right now, and I mentioned a handful of them. We're going to get right into these quick 10 tips. Number one, I'm going to get right to it. A lot of teams go zone because they're trying to hide something. Maybe they're not that quick. Maybe they have a weak defender or two. So the first tip is where is the weak defender? Attack the weak defender. That's why many teams are going zone, is to hide someone. Find the weak defender, attack the weak defender, screen the weak defender, put the weak defender in decision-making positions. You can attack the weak defender when they're guarding the ball. You can attack the weak defender when they are off the ball, but get the weak defender involved. Number two. Screen middle. This is especially big if they're in a two, three zone. You may have heard of a seal screen or a buffalo screen. It's essentially half post up, half screen. Somewhat illegal, maybe. This happens a lot off of a dribble drive. Let's say you're at the top of a two, three and you attack right down the middle and you have a post player who's being occupied by the middle player in the 2-3 zone. 
So you seal that player, you get big, you look like you're posting up, your back is to that defender on the bottom of the two, three, essentially you're just creating a pathway for your teammate to drive and score the layup. You also may see this if, let's say you have a player on the left corner and they are driving to the right, to the middle, and you have a teammate on the strong side block. Well, again, they would Buffalo screen or seal screen where their back is facing their defensive player. They're opening up big arm bar. It looks like they're posting up. They're not, they're just creating a bigger driving angle, trying to get that bottom player out of the two, three zone out of the way so that they can go and score a basket. As a coach, I've been hurt on this, bringing a cutter to that spot. Let's say the basketball goes to the short corner and you dive somebody down, looks like they're going to receive the ball for a cut. Really, they're just trying to, to make you, to engage the defense, to get you thinking about them. And as they dive down the paint, they go to the weak side and they would Buffalo screen, somewhat pin that bottom defensive player on the zone. And then right behind them, you bring your cutter through that you're actually going to pass the ball to and they can get a nice little short jump shot, five foot jump shot, or go all the way to the basket. This could also be used if the basketball is in the corner. So you can use that screen in the middle when there's a dribble drive. You can also use that screen in the middle and then bring somebody right behind them off of a cut. Those are two great ways to occupy the middle defender in the zone. All you're really doing is instead of facing the defender that you're screening. And again, officials know if I'm facing that defender, I'm setting a screen, I need to stay in one spot. But if my back and my butt is to them, it looks like I'm posting up, I'm trying to get the basketball. Now I'm not necessarily screening, am I? I'm just posting up. And that's what we can do to help create that space for our teammate to come in and drive to the basket. Third thing. Be more patient, be more patient. What does the zone want you to do sometimes? They want you to take forced shots that are, you're not running your offense, right? There's a, there's a quote that says, you can coach against a man, but you have to play against the zone. You gotta coach against the man, but you gotta play against the zone. Your guys, your girls, they have to play. And that means being patient. That means reversing the basketball that means taking what they want, not just what they can get. Because with most zones, there's something that they are giving up with that defense. But what they are trying to give up is something that they, are, they want to give up. The coach knows they want to give up a specific type of shot. Will your team be patient enough to hunt the shots and take the shots that they want, not the shots that the defense wants to give them? Number four, are you crashing the offensive glass? This could be a difference maker. If you're tight in a lot of games, you know it's difficult to find bodies when you're playing a zone defense. So from the offensive side, what can you do? You can shoot those gaps and try to offensive rebound. And I'm especially talking about your wing type players that, that can see the shot going up they can look at the paint and see where 
those defensive players are in the zone and they can then try to shoot those gaps for more offensive rebounding opportunities. There's a great opportunity to get a few extra possessions by working on crashing the offensive glass. Tip number five, get behind the defense. This is great for playing against a one, three, one, a two, three, any type of zone D is can you get behind the defense? You think of some teams that run a nice two, three zone and they might push up. They might push those top two players high. They may push that bottom line of three players up. So that bottom player on the two, three is above the, the charge circle or even higher. And they might bring those bottom players in the bottom of the two, three zone almost up. So they're all the way on the wings. Well, if you can get somebody playing butt to baseline in the dunker spot in the short corner, now they can get the basketball there and they can hit cutters. They can catch it as they meet the pass and finish strong. If they can catch it there face up and get to the rim, make a strong move in one dribble. Those are all great scoring opportunities by finding the weak spots, the opening, the crack behind the defense and then making them pay when they get there. When you get behind the defense, you can see everything, right? But who can't see you? The defense. That's the difference. And one of the, one of the strong points of playing behind the defense is getting that player there. Now, this player that you put there, they do not have to be the biggest player. They should be a player who is a good decision maker. They can catch the basketball and decide whether this is a good opportunity to score or because the basketball gets below the defense into one of those spots, it often makes the defense collapse. That's a great spot to get the basketball. And then we can get into that cutter like I talked about with a Buffalo screen. We can get a kick out to an open spot for a three. Many great opportunities happen by getting the basketball below the defense on the baseline. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with our next five tips against zone. Our summer basketball camp schedule is filling up. We're working with players from South Carolina, Ohio, and Michigan this summer already. We already have about 50% of our summer camps booked this year. If you're looking at reserving a spot, bringing Kramer basketball, the coach's edge to your school to work with your team, your program, you can contact us, contact at KramerBasketball.com and see if we can bring one of our camps or even one of our one day clinics to you. All right, let's get back to the show. Tip number six, who are you putting in the middle? Who are you putting in the middle? It doesn't have to be a post player but we want to get a playmaker in the middle. I'm amazed. I mean, out of all these tips, I'm amazed at this one the most. I'm amazed even watching college basketball, how many players will get it to the middle, but the player that gets it in the middle isn't a great decision maker. Many times they're not comfortable even facing the basket when they catch the basketball at the elbow. I'm thinking even, you remember back um, when the Sacramento Kings were good and Chris Webber, they're playing the Lakers and Chris Weber would get the basketball at the high post. And, you know, when he was really good, he was great in that spot, but all of a sudden he started catching the ball 
and putting his butt to the basket and turning around like he wanted to hand it back off to Mike Bibby or Bobby Jackson, whoever it was. We can't do that. You have to be able to have a person who is comfortable making decisions. They don't have to be your scorer necessarily. They don't have to be your big necessarily. It might be your point guard, but putting them in that location is very, very dangerous. You get the basketball there, you can pass it to every spot on the court. You're one dribble away from a layup. You're one dribble away from lifting a low defender and then getting a dump down or kicking it to the opposite corner for a three. And obviously you can just shoot it. There are so many advantages of getting the basketball to the middle off of the drive and off of the catch. But you have to have players in those positions that are comfortable making plays, making passes, and being aggressive. Too many teams put players at that spot that are not comfortable making a play, scoring it, being aggressive when they get there, and they're just too easy to guard, right? I'm sorry, I went longer on now. That's one of my pet peeves, I think, is teams that play zone and they'll, they'll put a player at the high post who doesn't like being at the high post. It's like, man, just put your point guard in there if, if they're the one that can make some of those plays, let them really hurt the offense. We had uh, Dave Boyce on this episode a couple months ago and he talks about putting Ben Roethlisberger when they're playing Finley and they have Ben Roethlisberger and they put him in the middle of what was Perrysburg's one through one defense and how he was able to just pick spots apart. But yet you have to put a quarterback type player, one that is good at making sound decisions in the middle of the zone. That one's big. The seventh one, get the ball up quick. Many zone defenses, not all, but many zone defenses want to slow you down. They want you to, to really have to grind it out and almost overthink each possession. Should I shoot this one? Should I drive it? Should I pass it? Should I cut screen? Get the basketball up quick before the defense is set. Tip number eight. And I, I may, maybe I should have started with this one, honestly, but it's so basic. I, I wanted to wait. This goes for man defense as much as it does zone, I think. Do you engage multiple defenders off the ball and on the ball? Do you engage multiple defenders? That means you're finding gaps within the defense. That means when you drive against the zone, you have the defender who's guarding you. And then that next defender, are they occupied? Are they sucking in? Are they engaged to you as well? Bad zone offense team just kind of pass, pass, pass. And it's they're easy to guard based on their locations, based on the fact that they're not driving or spacing and spots that are within these gaps of a zone defense. For example, if, if you're playing against a 2-3 zone and you have that bottom defender in the right corner and then you have that top player uh, who's kind of on the wing, and if you're standing next to one of those two players, you're not engaging two defenders. You want to be in the middle of them, right? Now they have to communicate. They have to decide, okay, whose responsibility is that if you catch it and they're still not there, that gives you a gap to drive. You might have something there or both those de defenders may have to collapse. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about engaging at least two defenders. There's a lot of opportunities to do that. And if you do that, your zone offense will automatically 
improve. Automatically improve. Tip number nine. I think I'm on number nine. Are you hard to guard? Are your players in locations on the court that the defense has to respect when they get the ball? And when they catch it, are they aggressive? Do they look aggressive? Do they have the basketball in a position that looks like they're going to make a play, shoot, pass, drive? When I watch a lot of zone offense, and I've been watching a lot of basketball this winter because that's a big part of what I do during this time of the year, especially this year, watching the high school teams that I work for, scouting for them. Too many players, too many teams will catch the basketball extended away from the court. They're upright. They put the basketball up above their head. They are not a threat to have anyone guard them. They are not in a location where at any point they're actually going to make a legit basketball play. They're easy to guard. You need to be hard to guard. Ask yourself, would you want to play against your team? Catch the basketball. Rip it. Find a seam. Catch the basketball in locations where you can shoot it or drive a gap or immediately move it to another player who is ready to do the same thing. This is really, really important. The easiest way I can say it, don't stand next to a defender. When you're in 2-3 zone, how many times do we see players who stand next to a zone defender? Now they don't have to think about you. When you catch it, they already know what their matchup is. So again, be hard to guard. You can do that by doing some of the things that I just listed. Tip number 10. Number 10, shooting. We've talked about attacking. We've talked about that seal slash buffalo screen. We've talked about playing below the defense, all these different ways to, to attack. Let's talk about shooting right here. Couple great ways that we can make sure that we're in spots to knock down shots. One you're probably familiar with, utilizing the corner. That could be a baseline runner. That could be putting someone who's more so behind the defense and then they're popping to one of those corners. You throw screens in there, baseline runner, great way to utilize playing against the zone. Number two, flood a spot. You've heard about overloading, right? Our coach knows what overloading is. This is similar, but not the same. When you flood, you're essentially putting two players in one spot. When I'm watching basketball, teams get good zone defense teams understand how to take care of an overload offense. But what many teams struggle with is when two players flood the same spot on a zone. There's a few different ways that we can do this. It could be off the dribble. Let's say your player has the basketball on the left wing and they're driving to the left elbow. And then the player in the left corner lifts behind them. Well, now there's essentially two players in the location that that defender on the two, three zone is responsible for. In most zone defenses, they don't practice this a lot or go over what those rotations are gonna look like when we do that. So that player could be on the 
the left wing. They could drive hard to the middle elbow, not going so far out that it's just a handoff to the other defender, but they're going hard. That defender is responsible to them. And then we just fill somebody right in behind them and they got the shot. The same thing can happen if you're matching up too high on a two, three zone. I get a lot of people, you know, if it's too high, then we'll go one high. And if it's one high on the zone, then we'll go two, two players high. But if you go two and two and you have one of those players just essentially drive the gap across the middle of the top of the key area down to the nail, and you just flood that player coming behind them on the other side, that can be an easy pitch back for the shot. You can also do this without the basketball. If you have a player in the corner, you have another baseline runner, for example, coming through to that same spot in the corner. Well, what if that player in the corner kind of does a slow kind of face cut going to the basket and that defensive player in the bottom of the two, three starts to go with them. And during that time, you're filling another player right behind them in that location. You can do that from any spot on the court. But anytime that we can put multiple offensive players that have to engage a single, isolate that single defender, one of them is going to have an opportunity to be open. If they do a good job and they pass them off, now you might have a little slip to hit that first player who went down. Another way that we can flood it is using a ball screen. I really like using ball screens on a zone. Similar to a pick and pop, except we're not necessarily popping to a new spot. If you're setting the screen at the top, let's say you're setting the screen on a, the top defender on a two, three zone so that the ball handler can turn the corner and go to the middle. When that screener sets the screen and their driver turns and attacks the paint, that defensive player has a decision to make. Are they gonna to continue to stay on that driver? Or are they going to stay with the person who just screened? Now, the key for the ball screener is you can't pop to a new location where a defender is going to pick you up. You essentially need to stay in that same spot. So they would set the screen. They would open up, toes around the three-point line. If that defensive player goes with the driver with the ball, then they can just turn around, hit it. That's a wide open three. And that's where you get your, your next pass or your one more pass where somebody has to recover because you flooded that one location and then you move it one more pass. And that's essentially where good basketball teams get a lot of hockey assists from. So it may not be that initial pick and pop, but it could be pick pop. And then that one more pass that gets it, get it to open. And in that example, it could be coming off that screen, driving the middle, pitching it back to the screener near the near the wing and then they throw it down to the corner and you got a three if that corner defender doesn't come up they can take the shot simple example of being able to flood one location by putting two players in that spot so those are 10 zone offense tips i'm fired about up about this because there's so many teams that are playing zone during this time, I think because one, some, at least in Michigan, I know players are playing with a mask on. It's really hard to breathe, right? You haven't had as long of a season for many of our, our teams. So you may not be in the condition that you're used to. So more teams are playing a zone. 
And if you haven't had a ton of gym access compared to years past, your team just may not have built up the normal amount of off-season skill acquisition that they're used to. So we're just seeing a lot more zone defense. If you like this episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to Coach Anthony Troshak's episode on 131 zone offense. He had a great podcast about that. And in fact, he created a whole course. So if you're interested in purchasing his zone offense course, I highly recommend it. I will put the, the link to that in the description below. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. I hope that you find some benefit from it. If you did, please share it out with someone, tell somebody about it, text someone. The link, obviously a rating and a review goes a really long way as we continue to build out the Coach's Edge. Thanks again. God bless you. Thank you for listening and make sure you get after it today.